When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And what is up? Welcome in GC Live fam. Wes Mitchell here. Chris Clark, Monday episode of the show. Our usual game recaps, thoughts, um, pretty much uh, any of your feedback that you have on the game you want to hear it, go ahead and throw it in the chat if you are already with us here live on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. As we always tell you, though, YouTube probably the best way to watch the show. Uh, if you're listening on the podcast, we appreciate that as well, but definitely much more interactive version of the show if you can get on with us live. Chris, closing in on 12,000 subscribers on YouTube. That is awesome. Uh, shout out to everybody for supporting the show. Uh, go ahead and hit that subscribe button if you are watching us on YouTube. As always, this is brought to you by Clint Hammond, our good buddy. Uh, ClintHammond.com. He's with the Mortgage Network. 803-771-6933. If you're in the market for a new home or you're just curious about um, if you can get a new home at this point, uh, give Clint a shout. He'll help you through that process. Chris, much different conversation this week than we were having exactly seven days ago. Um, South Carolina obviously coming off that loss to Missouri. Uh, a game going into this weekend that I, I think, you know, Carolina fans always expect to beat Vandy. Like, that's sort of a given. I sensed a much more just um, – the, the optimism, if you're going to call it cautious optimism – was much more on the cautious side of that scale. I feel like going into this game, uh, still with the thoughts of that Missouri loss fresh in the fan base's minds. So, um, you know, I, I kind of wondered what would it take to make fans happy. South Carolina gets a 38-27 to 27 win. What, where do you think the collective fan base is off of this win? I, I, I feel like because it feels like Carolina controlled – the game for the most part. Um, they're a little bit in general more happy with 11 win or 11 point win than maybe I would have thought going in. Yeah, that's a good point, man. First of all, I think uh, hopefully the collective fan base will let us know in the comments what they think about the, uh, about the game. I'm sure they will. We have some, some personalities who we appreciate here. Um, I think because we saw offense, like we were talking about this earlier today, right, on the Gamecock Central Takeover on 107.5, people are hyper-focused on offense, like for good reason. When I watch sports in general, football, soccer, basketball, I like scoring. You want to see goals, you want to see touchdowns, you want to see homers in baseball. People are hyper-focused on the offensive side of the ball. And so, you know, if South Carolina had won this game 56 to 45, probably a little more talk about the defense, even than what we're hearing so far, but people have been like, Ooh, 56 points, you know? So I think the fact that South Carolina, not a perfect day by any means, but a game where it's Spencer Rattler's best game, right? You are missing Marshawn Lloyd. 
but you're still able to move the football. Spencer has a good game. Jaheim Bell gets his most touches. So I think there are a few things that happened in the game, within the game offensively, that made people happy. Now, is there rightfully so some talk about, you know, the second half offensively, what we saw on defense for pretty much the entire game? Yes, but I think people are generally pretty satisfied because, look, you need to be happy with a win, a road win, even if it's Vandy. You just had a very poor performance last week in which you lost the football game. You're bowl eligible, you win. You still got some things you can improve on, but there are also some encouraging signs in some places too. Yeah, so uh, big picture, and uh, you know we try to not just repeat everything we say during the 107.5 show, try to make them two completely different shows. But, uh, Chris, I did want to give like some of my big picture thoughts as maybe some framework for what we're going to go deeper into during the show. And uh, like you said, man, road win in the SEC. It's 14 straight over Vanderbilt. Um, I don't care how you get there. If you win 14 straight over a team from whatever division, conference, um, you know, however you want to say it, that you were in, people playing by the same rules as you, if you beat them 14 straight years, you have done something right. Now, I know Carolina goes into each game with Vandy expecting to win. The fan base does. But, um, you know, and there's been some where Carolina's had to escape, look no further than last year. but. If you find a way to win 14 straight, that's that's something to be applauded. I think that's across, um, you know, the entire Muschamp era, the Beamer era through, you know, two games of Vanderbilt and goes all the way back into the Spurrier era prior to the stretch of 11 win seasons, prior to the SEC East Championship, prior to – so basically, you're going all the way back, what, to 2008, Eight, I think. Yes. And South Carolina West back to back losses that preceded this. I think it was 07 and 08. We talked about that the other day. 2017, I think they're ranked number six. Start six and one. They lost to Vandy in one of the worst games I've ever seen. 16 to seven, I think it was at home. That game was awful. Wor- worst, probably worst game I've ever seen. Um, and it really was, I mean, it's just so boring, just awful game. Um, go on to lose the next six bad and then lost the following year. But after that, like you said, man, they've reeled off a a nice stretch here against Vandy. So wins a win, be happy with it. Yeah. So, um, and and I'll go back to one of our, uh, commenters, Greg, um, 13 wins in less than two years. And, um, you know, I I think we've got to, we've got to have some, perspective about this whole thing are you know are there things within the program are there things that South Carolina would love to do better I I think if you know Shane Beamer was sitting on the show um, or sitting up to the bar having a drink or something you get and he got his honest opinion yeah he he would admit there's things we need to do better and uh, you know the run game stuff on defense I think it's a massive concern and uh, Chris you've been preaching that all you know all year long and I I think um, you know there are still issues but Overall, you get to this point, you get the 13 wins already within the two years. You get a second straight bowl eligibility, um, some nice wins along the way. And now you have an opportunity. I don't want to say it like you're playing with house money, but at the same time, you're you're not going to be favored in any of the final three games. But you've got three shots at pulling an upset and making this thing um, potentially really special if you can still – 
one of the next three. So you put yourself in this position. You took some pressure off of these last few, these next few games, and um, did what you were supposed to do at Vanderbilt. So I've got. Uh, let's see. Let me finish them off here. Uh, I didn't put many single players into this. Is more big picture. The one single player I did put was Darius Rush because, uh, you know, that's my guy. I'm biased, but I think it's about time we start talking a bit more about Darius Rush as a key player on this team and one of their best overall players as opposed to just, um, you know, he's a starter. No, I think he's been much better than that. Um, PFF has him as the highest graded player on defense among the guys who are in the regular rotation. And then just playmakers all around on offense. You know, Juice Wells made plays. Jaheim Bell was solid stepping in at running back. Carry on Joyner made some things happen. Um, Just overall offensive skill guys. The bad couldn't put Vandy away. Um, I felt like some of the running game was smoke and mirrors. You had to, um, you know, use some some reverses to get some big plays. Although, golly, man, Xavier Leggett looks natural running the football in the open field. And then the ugly, the run defense, and the penalties, man. I felt, I just felt like if they could have gotten out of their own way on the penalties, that they really, even with the pretty bad run defense, they could have put this thing away. But it was just very disjointed. It felt like um, penalty after penalty, which is, to, to give them credit, that's very uncharacteristic for this group. They have been um, going back to – what would you say last year, probably the first three, four, I don't know where the cutoff point is. Remember how much they struggled with penalties early on. And Beamer was like, we're going to get this fixed. Like this is on me. We're going to get this fixed credit due final half of last year. And then the first uh, half plus of this year, they've been fantastic and not penalizing teams or not being penalized. And, uh, that was not the case on Saturday, obviously. Yeah, it was not. It was ugly. It, it was kind of like uh, watching an SEC basketball game. Like, there's a foul, like, every play. It That that part was ugly. Now, South Carolina was able to, at times, Wes, I mean, there's one touchdown drive in particular. It seems like, you know, and I'm exaggerating here, but it, it seemed like they were getting penalized every other play. Um, and we're getting behind the sticks, but still managed to to move the football, which was a positive and ended up scoring. But uh, that might have been the the Josh Van catch or the Juice Wells touchdown catch, one of those. But yeah, that that part was, you know, something that is probably an aberration. Like if you're just going off of what we've seen and, and statistically, certainly you hope that doesn't become a trend. The good news if you're looking for kind of some hope and the silver lining is that so far it hasn't been. Now, one thing that has been in your ugly category um, has been a trend is the run defense. You know, we've seen, uh, we have seen this team struggle running the, you know, stopping the run at times this year. And we've really seen them struggle on the perimeter, whether it's run game or what teams use as the extension of the run game with, you know, some little short passes out to the flats or to the perimeter. South Carolina's had some trouble at times getting off blocks or having their linebackers chase those plays plays down. When you put that forward, Wes, you think about the next three games, right? You think about uh, Florida and Anthony Richardson, Shane Beamer saying after the game, he's probably 
very excited about next week with what he's seen, uh, with what he saw in, in, against Vandy. And certainly South Carolina's had some issues with mobile quarterbacks this year. Anthony Richardson is true. He is definitely that. Um, you think about Tennessee, you know, the the amount of just easy throws that they can get their receivers, including those quick throws out to the perimeter where they're stacking guys out there. That's alarming. And you think about Clemson West, they're they're struggling offensively to some degree, but we saw Clemson run the ball almost at will against South Carolina last year. And so that becomes kind of a concerning trend, right? And and so I think you did a really good job of breaking it down in those categories because there really were things in that game, good, bad, and ugly. Like we really did see uh, some of all of that in this game. Yeah, and maybe um, I potentially could have put, I believe, maybe one more individual under good. And for me, that would be Spencer Rattler. I mean, I, I thought as far as controlling the game or being in control of the game, you could say, um, not taking off. Uh, there, there was maybe there was an early play I think where they were backed up in the goal line, sort of where he um, he had all day, and I, I think his internal clock just sort of said, "I, I got to get out of here." But um, in reality, he he still had even more time. But for the most part, you know, I thought Spencer hung in there, stepped up in the pocket when he needed to, delivered the football, seemed to know where the ball was supposed to go. I don't – I'm trying to think off the top of my head, and I, I have not uh, honestly made it through my rewatch yet. I will complete that tonight. Um, Chris, I don't remember any or many just misses where I was like, man, he just missed that guy. Um, you know, deliver the ball with confidence. Um, you know, I thought, he's, I thought he was playing confidently. Uh, there was constant communication when he was going to the sideline, it looked like. Um, it, it looked like there was constant communication with Jaheim Bell – and Montario Hardesty as well, with uh, obviously Jaheim pretty much just being a running back um, this week. I thought that was interesting. Some, I, I think they would have honestly this week left Jaheim out there a little bit more than they even did, but it seemed like they were almost sort of coaching him up as the game went along because that's not a position that he has played. So it was like, let's get him on the sideline, keep him you know engaged with the running backs coach, and sort of go from there. But Spencer... PFF agrees, like they they graded him very highly. And something I hadn't looked at yet, Chris, but you mentioned earlier um, on the other show, PFF, I'm guessing, is where you got this, but no uh, turnover-worthy plays. Is that right? That's absolutely right. And uh, highest NFL quarterback rating of the season, PFF uses that as their metric. You're right, man. I'm trying to go through my head. I, I don't think I can recall any – just misses from Rattler too. They they did miss one more potential explosive on the flea flicker, but that was a ball where pretty tightly covered Xavier Leggett almost came down with a great throw. But I think like you just saw, you saw a kind of a little piece of everything Spencer can do, like everything that we thought. Now, everything that we're saying is viewed through the lens of Vanderbilt's not very good. Like we know they're not that good. Defensively, they're not that good. But – Still, you know, you're, you're over there playing on the road. You, you just had a, your worst game of the season against a good defense in Missouri. It's time to rebound. And so I think you start at the baseline. I've been screaming all year about making the baseline of just not turning the football over offensively. We saw just one, right? So we saw Spencer scrambling out of the pocket um, at a time where it made sense to do so and making that throw to Josh Van in the back of the end zone. That's one where his guy's catching it or nobody's catching it. 
great play. We saw him stand in the pocket and connect on a deep ball. Another thing that we've been kind of probably thinking we would see more of this year. Clean pocket, stayed in, stepped up, accurate, great throw to Xavier Leggett right at the goalpost. Um, we saw the throw to Juice Wells. I mean, clamoring for a little bit more of, hey, get your guys in one-on-one -on -one opportunities over the middle, stand in the pocket, complete the throw. We saw that on the ball to Juice Wells. And there were others. I mean, even the 15-yard scramble, you know, that Spencer had in taking care of the football. So, yes, poor defense, but I thought a really, really good game from seven and something that you would hope that they can they can take and build on. Yeah, and I think this is one of the few defenses they're going to play in the conference where they didn't have to have a great rushing attack in order to be able to drop back and feel pretty good about throwing the football without there being a lot of pressure, you know, in the QB's face. Against, like, these better defenses Carolina plays, they have to be able to run the football. And if they can't, they're going to struggle. They're going to be in third and long. Against uh, Vanderbilt, you know, they just don't have the pass rushers, I think, that the other guys have. And they don't have the athletes, let's be honest, at, at defensive back either to just match up for very long. So when Spencer was able to sit back or buy a little bit of time, um, Vanderbilt just not equipped. I, I feel like some of Carolina's talent was really able to kind of actually shine a little bit this week. And um, you can see that some of that athleticism that is there. And, you know, I, I thought the, um, you know, people have been talking about scripts a lot this year which that's been overanalyzed if you ask me every, every team runs scripts to an extent I think but um the script off the bat went perfect I mean I, I imagine every single time a coach puts together their script for a game what, what would you think probably nine out of ten of them you have to make some adjustment on the first drive like probably pretty rare that just every single play hits the way you sort of hoped and wanted it to. Um, but the script was was on point in this game and allowed Carolina to get off to a really good start. First, obviously, Darius Rush interception on the first defensive possession for South Carolina. But then um, they showed a little bit of everything on the first offensive script. Um, you know, some throws to the flat, a couple of runs, um, I was glad to see them actually throw like a quick out, a couple little stick routes in this game where you're just getting the ball, you know, four or five yards down the field and making something happen. And then you hit the ball over top on play action with a pulling guard um, on the post route to uh, Leggett. Beautiful throw there. I mean, he was wide open. That was a beautiful throw too. It was. And even going to later, man, I mean, we were looking at that play earlier today, the to carry on Joiner, you know, get get some more run. And I mean, credit where it's due. That was a really cool play. That was a really cool play because you who was the back on that play? Um CBS. CBS. So CBS is out there. Uh looks like it's gonna be a direct snap. You shift the guys over. You got like a little misdirection there. And I mean, Shane Beamer talked about it that that play and some of the players talked about it too. The goal on that play is to throw a deep ball that apparently they had hit in practice. That one was triple covered, <laughs> I think we saw on the All-22. Um, Austin Stogner was wide open, but it was kind of fortunate that on didn't see him out there mm. uh, in the flat because he he kind of extended the play and finds Juice Wells. And then Juice – you made a great point. I mean, this offense is best when your guys who are individual talents can shine. You know, you have to be able to run the football, sure, but – it's been clicking when Juice Wells gets the ball in space, 
Spencer Rattler can improvise and, and do Spencer things. Marshawn Lloyd, who didn't play, but obviously when he's featured in this offense, Jaheim Bell, like that's when the offense is at the best. And so, sure, it's made easier, quote unquote, when you're playing teams like Vanderbilt, but still they found a way and some of it was schemed up and some of it was just our guys better than yours. And I think that is kind of the genesis of what is a good game plan. You know, when you play teams like Georgia, for instance, you're going to have to meet in the middle somewhere. There are some things that are going to be baseline that you're going to have to do well to win that game. And then you're going to have to scheme some things up, probably even more so than against like Vandy. And we saw the Georgia one didn't go so well, but this one did. I mean, I thought the game plan made a lot of sense. And the players obviously executed it well, and they avoided, of course, to go back to that well, they avoided turning the football over, which is, you know, a recipe for losing a game to a team like Vanderbilt on the road. Yeah, and I saw SEC Network slash ESPN stole your uh, turnover stat. They did. They did. Blat- blatantly ripped Blatant. There. there was no, there was no, like, credit at the bottom. They have a track record for these things. Yeah, completely ripped you off, man. Very disappointing. But uh, but you're right. I mean, turnovers were the difference in this game. Uh, I think I think Carolina wins the game, you know, regardless. But I, I think um, obviously if it was reversed and Carolina was turning it over and Vandy wasn't, then they lose the game. Um, and a lot of their stops, man, that was kind of the scary part from a Carolina perspective. A lot of their stops were um, by turnovers, was, was via turnovers. So it's kind of like, man, there, there really weren't a lot of punts forced by the Carolina defense, which I think is obviously concerning. But, um, you know, I think it's more it's concerning, big picture. But, uh, again, you take this win how you can get it. And the offense, hey, yeah, it was against Vandy. They haven't been very good defensively. But at the same time, Chris, I think you also got to look at it like Carolina executed. I mean, they've played some bad defenses before and have not had the output that they had this week. I mean, go back to last year. Not that this is remotely the same team offensively as it was last year, but I mean, you score a late touchdown against Vandy to get to twenty-one um, at home. Uh, you know, you go to ECU and just struggle to move the ball at all in that game. So, yeah, it is Vandy. You have to take everything and put it into uh, perspective. Um, this is just as much about sort of the matchup, I think as it being like, oh, Carolina found something, you know, that is necessarily going to be repeatable against everybody. But you also have to give the credit. They found a way to get the ball to these different guys. They found a way to implement uh, to carry on to where he could make an impact, I think. And, you know, that I think some people, especially with like Jaheim Bell playing a good bit more, some of that was um, necessary because of Marshawn Lloyd, obviously. But I think there are some people who are like, well, wait, why – why did it take this long to get Jaheim the ball? You know, and I, I think that is a valid question. Sure. Are are we at the point, and, and I know um, not everybody agrees with me on Jaheim, but, I mean, I, I think there is a case that Jaheim is the second best running back on this football team, especially right now when CBS very clearly – has not been himself this year. And huge credit to CBS, man. I mean, he he had that injury, and I'm like, he's done. Like, he's walking off the field, takes a really long time to walk off, very gingerly, and then he's somehow back in the game, and he runs for a 
50 plus yard touchdown. I mean, huge credit to him for gutting that out. And he very clearly has not been 100% all year, which you feel for him. And I mean, tough kid, you know, to come in and continue playing. But I do think you're right, man. I mean, Jaheim Bell, when you look at the stat line, what he did rushing the football, it wasn't eye popping. You know, if, if, if you've gone through the whole year and like it's running back Jaheim Bell and that's his stat line in the game, it's kind of like a shrug, right? But this is, this is his first week. They literally put him in the running back room with Montario Hardesty and he goes through the whole practice week and he is a running back. So it's a pretty big adjustment. You know, you're not just doing a few gadget plays. You're running. I'm turning around and handing you the ball and now you're running back. So it's a lot different. Um, you mentioned earlier, rightly, that, you know, they had to – had's not a great word. I mean, they did because they felt like they needed to put in some different things to get the running game going. Um, even if it's a little pop pass, kind of an extension of your run game. Um, but one of the things that they did do was they were going to run the football inside, especially with CBS only getting three carries. That was going to be Jaheim Bell. Juju is more of an outside runner. You needed somebody who could get you some short yards, pound it in there. And Jaheim did a nice job with that. Um, there were a few runs where not a whole lot of daylight. He was able to get him, you know, there, a three-yard run is fine inside. There's there's nothing wrong with that if you're protecting the football, and he was able to get him that. So I thought, you know, hey, even though it's not a, a big explosive play, he didn't really have any of those in the game. What you saw from him in terms of how he used, how he was used on Saturday was was perfectly fine. Well, I think you can kind of um, – you can maybe look ahead a little bit and say, look, if if Lloyd – you know, if Lloyd is, is back healthy, obviously, hopefully at some point this season and close to 100%, then I think there's a, a nice little balance there in that these are two guys that have very different skill sets with – you know, you could have Jaheim get him the ball a little bit more running the football as a bigger back, and then obviously Marshawn Lloyd, a guy that can do it all but has – explosiveness, ability to make people miss, ability to run to the outside. Um, you know, and they're, they're going to need – they're really going to need both those guys, I think, to, to have some big games that they're going to have any chance uh, to knock off any of their next three opponents. So it's going to be tough. But, um, you know, a Florida – this is a Florida defense. I know we'll get into them all week long. Statistically, Florida has not been a great defense. So there could be some opportunities. Um, it is funny how confidence – and seeing things go well um, can affect an offense. So maybe that's something, even going into an, a defense, it's not going to be as bad. It's not going to be as much of a talent deficiency as you saw going up against Vandy. But uh, a Florida defense that I think will have some, will have South Carolina will have some opportunities to make some plays this week. We'll put it like that. But um, what, uh, what else uh, did you notice or uh, that you want to hit on there from this past game? Uh, we got a mention of Tonka in the chat. Um, Tonka is awesome. Max Kroger is awesome. Dude, all right, yeah, so let, let's go there. Special teams. Um, I also have a special teams stat that's not even semi-related. It is related to USC. Um, dude, Tonka, what can this guy not do on the special teams front? They're going to like the biggest one of the biggest storylines left for this season for the next four because USC will have a bowl game now. We know for sure. How what is next for him on getting the football in the open field? We have a fumble recovery. Um, we have the helmetception. 
we have the uh, like the trap play running the football in for the two point conversion, and we have the over the shoulder dude. How many receivers would have dropped that football? Dude is hanging all over him. No flag, of course, because we don't know what pass interference is or targeting or anything like that. How was that not a flag? Well, we just. I think that I don't know how these things are determined anymore. It's really bad. But anyway, he catches that ball, shakes the guy off, you know, to get some yards after contact. I'm just really curious what they can do. I'm sure Pete Limbo in his library of plays has some more stuff, but I'm curious. But Kai Kroger's been awesome, man. He just missed, what, two, I think two punts that, like, were butted up against the goal line and just went in. Uh, to the end zone. I think one of them was like a 69-yard punt still. Um, he's been excellent holding. Mitch Jeter, probably the, I don't know, one of the most underrated things about this team. You lose Parker White. Everybody knows Jeter's talented, but he's locked in a battle preseason with Alex Herrera. Who's going to win that job? Ah, maybe Jeter. He's scholarship. He's got a big leg. But how will he perform when the lights come on? Well, he's done fine. He's nine for nine this season. I'm sorry, Mitch. I'm sure I've jinxed you on your next field goal. Two for two from 50 plus. He's hit everything else. Two extra points are the lone, you know, issues so far in terms of kicking. But the kicking game's been great, man. And um, those two guys that they brought in in South Carolina did in the 2020 class have been really, really good. And then Kai obviously can always be an asset for you. My special team sat before I forget it, Wes. <clears throat> Unfortunately, South Carolina is no longer the leader nationally in blocked punts. But the new leader, you can't. It, this is the type of thing where if you're a Gamecock fan, you say, I'm not even mad. Wait, I know where you're going with this. Where are we going? Is it your Notre Dame fighting Irish? A fine institution. It has always <laughs> been. They are now the nation's leader with six. And of course, Coming against the Clemson Tigers, a punt block that resulted in a touchdown. So Gamecock fans are not even mad about it. Pete Limbo probably not even mad about it. He may have uh, drawn that play up. That he he might have sent it to him. Hey, guys, why don't you try this? Um, man, hey, when um, I think it was number 10, when number 10 picked that ball up, my man was hitting that X button boost. Like, dude was <laughs> going. Like, he was gone. And who who was the uh, dude? I mean, I should know this. Who was uh what is it number twenty for Notre Dame who picked off like every pass that Clemson threw in that game? Had the pick six, had the other interception. My guy was balling. Yeah, it, he took that thing back from deep too. Yeah. Um, smelled the end zone. It felt it felt like I don't know. I, I had the whole two TV set up. Like I dragged the TV from the living room or from the bedroom into the living room. It looked like Clemson people after that pick just uh, kind of relaxed because the, the pick that ended up being the pick six was pretty deep in Clemson territory. And the Notre Dame guy was like, nah, man, we're taking this thing to <laughs> It's the about house. to be a touchdown. Yeah, what do y'all think? Yeah, that, that was cool. That was impressive. Um, good for Notre Dame. That's a, that's a big win for them, man. They had some struggles early on. Yeah. A uh, really big win for them, but uh, wow! How about six though? That's six, and you know, you know, another funny, hard to believe stat is Rutgers 
is tied with South Carolina with with five punt blocks. I don't know if they maybe had one against Michigan. That was a a tight game earlier on. I think Michigan was losing at halftime to Rutgers. Yeah, I think they were losing going like part of the way into the third. They were down seventeen yeah. fourteen, I think. Yeah, Michigan woke up and ended up winning that one going away. So kind of a weird weekend, right? Clemson loses. Ohio State struggled. I mean, I saw the wind, Wes, and that one. It it whew, that looked like a miserable game to be at. But Ohio State struggled with a very bad Northwestern team. Alabama loses, which I'm not surprised by, really. Did did everybody? Uh, I'm asking you, Chris, but everybody in the chat as well. Did y'all watch the fin? Like I know it was it was during South Carolina game. Did y'all watch the finish? To Alabama and LSU because that sure man when Brian Kelly I'm not a Brian Kelly fan <laughs> at all right at all but my man has some stones like the oh we're going for two like no hesitation let's go let's go win this right now that takes some guts um uh, and I think it was the right call man it's easy to say that because it worked but as good as Bryce Young is, and, you know, Alabama had not played. They've been – it seemed like they were a little out of sync offensively. You have a chance to just go win the game and not have to do back and forth and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't help but think, if that's me, would I rather be on offense, needing the two-point conversion to win the game, or on defense, praying I can stop him to win the game yeah. or, or keep it tied. So yep. I think it was just like, I'm a, my guy, uh, you know, Jaden Daniels also is a great running threat, which makes it very difficult to defend down near the goal line. Great call, put him out on the edge, um, and great opportunity or great decision for him, like very quick decision just to get the ball out there. So um, I know there's a South Carolina show, obviously, but that was a fun, that game, that was what college football is all about. Like that was an incredible finish. And hey, LSU at night, when that place is packed, you're going to earn, you're going to earn a win if you're going to leave that place with a a win. Dude, I mean, and Bryce Young is a wizard, but, Jaden Daniels, how about that kid? I mean, he he was fairly good at Arizona State. He's got to LSU. They've done a really good job of harnessing his talent and developing him. Yeah, some neat stuff on that final play, man. A lot of people are going, oh, that – and it did. It, it took some stones. But I, I saw I saw the point made, and it's a good one. You're, you're going for two the next overtime anyway. Um, If you got your best play there, run it. You know, because next time out you're going to have to go for two anyway. They run that play. Brian Kelly actually noted that uh, that was the same play when he was at Notre Dame when they played, I think, number one FSU or number two FSU, ran that same play, hit it, got called for offensive pass interference, um, which was probably a good call. I mean, I, I remember seeing that play. So they ran the same play, and I think Jaden Daniels had like four options on that play. So obviously picked the right one. Mason Taylor, son of NFL great Jason Taylor, Catching that ball, close. Woo! Caught it behind the end, behind the goal line, and, and kind of had to fall in. But yeah, that was an awesome game, man. A R- lot of fun. Good weekend of college football for sure. Definitely. Um, let's see if 
Did you see the end of Auburn, Mississippi State? That was wild, too. We didn't even talk about Tennessee getting destroyed. But, yeah, um, I saw that. That was crazy. My man kicked the line drive base hit right off of the up man on the kickoff. He did. And gets it back. That yeah. I got to be honest. I felt I actually felt bad for Auburn after that happened. I was like, man, that <laughs> of all the ways, of all the ways. Anyway, we're going to get back to South Carolina before we close this thing out. Um, tell you what, I – so I've got the mic is fixed now. There's no more tapping on the the laptop. Y'all don't have to make comments about that anymore. The next thing is going to be a squeaky, you know what, chair that keeps squeaking when I move and talk. But um, I do want to hit one comment um, from Lee on Facebook. We have disappointed him apparently. Um, says I'm a little confused. It sounds like they. I think that's me and you, Chris, are basically saying if 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 we won the game. Sure, we had some turnovers. That's part of the game. I doubt any other team would say we won because they were bad. I guess they here is Vandy. No motivation coming from this conversation. Hopefully the coaches will do this differently. Very disappointing. Um, don't know where to start there. I will start with, first of all, um, the coaches definitely will point out to the players things that need to be fixed and things that need to be better. Um, our job isn't to motivate the players. We're just talking about the game. And um, – the other thing I'll say, Chris, is that, yes, we were talking about turnovers because, um, for one, Chris has been on the turnover train for all season long, but rightfully so. When South Carolina has created turnovers, they have won those games. When they have gotten beaten in the turnover battle, they have lost those games. Statistically, it almost without fail, I mean, look at their wins and the turnover margin in those games, and then look at their losses and the turnover margin in those games. So statistically, that's just – it is that important for South Carolina. And also, we are we have fully given credit to South Carolina's offense for executing and even brought up the fact that they did a lot more on Saturday against um, a pretty bad defense, but a lot more than they've done in the past against bad defenses. But we're also not going to just blow smoke and tell you this means everything is fixed when football is a game of matchups. It's about who you were playing on that given week. It's about can you take advantage if you have the matchups to your advantage or can you not? And I think you give credit to South Carolina for taking advantage of having the edge in some of these matchups. They haven't always done that. You give them tons of credit for that while also acknowledging, hey, they're a nine-point underdog going into this Florida game for a reason. Yeah, we, we opened the show by saying – it is a win, and you need to be happy with it because it's not easy to win. We talked about how it's not easy to win on the road. Um, but Shane Beamer himself, you know, when Lee's talking about hopefully the coaches will do it differently, right after the game, he's talking about how ugly a lot of it was, the penalties, how they're going to have a lot to correct. So in some ways, it's not much different than even what we're saying. Um, you're right, Wes. I mean, look at the wins and losses, three to nothing, Turnover margin to Georgia, three to nothing turnover to margin to Arkansas, two to nothing in Missouri. They lose those games. The other ones, Kentucky, AM, they're even. This one, they went at four to one. It makes a huge difference because South Carolina is objectively, not even subjective, they are objectively not at the point as a program where they can go in and turn the football over three times and not gain any turnovers and just beat teams left and right. They're they're just not going to do that. So there was – that's why, I mean, Wes at the beginning of the show had 
good, bad, ugly. There was some of all of that. Um, the reality is if the run defense is as poor as it was on Saturday, wins are going to be hard to come by. And that's not a controversial statement or, and then, you know, it's just, it just kind of is what it is. So yeah, it's, um, it, it's okay to recognize how good it is to win. But when you look at this team's best offensive performances, even SC state, Charlotte, Vandy, that's three worst defenses they played. And so, it's okay to recognize the good that was done in there, but also to properly contextualize it. You don't need to expect South Carolina scored 38 against Vandy. Watch out Florida, Clemson, and Tennessee. You know, I mean, you would hope that they can carry some of these things forward, but it's certainly uh, not a guarantee. Yeah, and we'll see what happens next. Uh, we'll have all week long, Chris, to break down this uh, Florida game. and We'll definitely uh, have a Florida guest uh, later on this week, an excellent Florida on three site that does a fantastic job of covering those guys already looking forward to that, man. That's one of my favorite parts of the show is being able to bring y'all some insight on South Carolina's um, opponents, uh, you know, from the other sideline, but uh, we're about out of time for today. We're going to be a little bit short, Chris, you're heading over, uh, by the way, Hey, congrats to women's soccer um, SEC tournament champions. By the way, Chris, I don't know if you remember this or if you're paying attention, I guaranteed to the crowd at the GC kickoff party that women's soccer was going to win a national title before Shelly Smith left. Um, and then I handed her the mic. But um, that's a lot of pressure. But that program is, is pretty special. Like, they do yeah. a phenomenal job. So, uh, you know, Shelly Smith, Jamie Smith, um, Marty Merritt, that whole crew – they're fantastic. I know you know infinitely more about soccer than I do, but uh, what did you think of the tournament uh, victory this weekend? Yeah, it was outstanding, man. They beat a really good Alabama team who's been one of the best in the country this year. Um, Alabama, I mean, they had players littered on the all-SEC list. Uh, I think their goalkeeper was like the goalkeeper of the year. So Carolina, one of their players scored her first goal of the season. Um Pretty big one. Uh, and then Heather Hens, who's been great in goal all year, and Abby Hugo kind of combining for a final save with like a minute left. That was outstanding. So, yeah, really good job. Be heading over there later. Uh, NCAA tournament selection show, I think, starts at about 4 p.m. Eastern today on NCAA's on the NCAA website, where there's a little watch party for the players over there uh, to find out their destiny in the NCAA tournaments. We're going to go check that out, see if they can make another run. Last time South Carolina was in the college cup, I believe 2017 uh, and, and getting all the way to the end. So, and by the way, Wes, before we close out, before you tell the people about Larry, uh, Tennessee game, several people asked seven or seven 30 at night inside Williams Rice stadium. Yep. So night game for sure. Um, after this weekend's games, they will announce, the TV network, it'll be ESPN or SEC network. 7 o'clock kick, 7.30 kick. Not really a whole lot of difference between the two. So, either way, another night game. Gamecocks undefeated this year in night games. So, we'll see if uh, they can pull the mammoth upset. But before that, South Carolina, Florida, 4 p.m. in the swamp. This Saturday, uh, got to tell you real quick about our friends at Liberty Tax, 803-462-5576. Uh, appreciate Larry for – uh, being a sponsor of our show uh, all year long. And uh, tax season is right around the corner, and I promise you 
our local friends here at Liberty Tax in Irmo, Lexington, and Columbia will help walk you through the tax process. Not fun, never easy, but uh, they can make that very, very simple for you. 803-462-5576. That's all Chris and I have for today. Uh, Appreciate everybody, as always, joining in. Hit that subscribe button. Hit the like button. uh, Follow us on uh, your podcast platforms. And Chris and I will be back later this week. Uh, Mike Yuva on Talking Tuesdays, Tuesday night at 7. For Chris, I'm Wes. We'll see you soon.